mean, it was the same thing. It wouldn't let me, like I could see it and it lets me click on it, but then it just spins and then it says you cannot join. It's the Sick Show. It's the Sick Show. It's the Sick Show. Others joining options companion mode. And I see Fagan PC. Well, that's my, that's what I call it, podcast. So. Let's send messages. This is the weirdest thing ever. I know, right? You might have to ask Peck what they think this could be. Because it's weird. I don't have it with, you're the only person that I can't join a Google Meet with. Hmm. Did you do something really bad before you left Madison and I, I got know, you man. like blocked from everything? <laughs> Not that I know of. Uh, it was pretty clean. <laughs> they heard stuff. It was a pretty clean move. Well, yeah. well, we're just gonna go this route with it and okay, man. And, I'm uh, sorry. Pray for the best, uh, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. That sucks, though. Well, it is what it is. <clears throat> it does suck. Let me tell you, there's a huge difference between um, when someone's sitting in here. When yeah. someone is, you know, when you can actually see them, and then yeah. doing it this way, it, it's we're gonna we're gonna throw it out there anyway. So okay, um, it takes all the personal out of it. It really does. Sure. I have a I have an interview with a guy coming up, and um, <clears throat> he and I do not know each other. We've never met, and um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be challenging in that way. But I'm going to his studio. He's a rapper out of Anderson. Okay. And so I'm going to his studio to do the recording. So I'm going to yeah. be out of my element and in his. So I'm interested to see what my comfort level is when I'm sitting right. there with him in somebody else's space. Because I know people come in here and, and they're a little bit, you know, a little bit tense at first. And about yeah. 10 minutes in, they get really relaxed. And next thing you know, we're having just an awesome conversation. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I've had a lot of fun and, you know, I'm, this is, you know, I'm 40 plus in at this point and uh, that's awesome. It's getting, I don't think it gets easier. It doesn't right. get easier for me. Well, cause you're trying to build and make it better each time, you know? Absolutely. In this last episode I did uh, with a lady named Ashley Beeman, she's someone who literally <clears throat> was homeless like she graduated from high school. The lady she was living with was not a, a, a parent. Uh -huh. She, her dad had left and there she was with this person who, you know, she knew her dad had been living with her for quite some time, but dad right. left and the lady said, Hey, look, you're 18. You're graduated. Honey, I'm sorry, but you're not mine. Oh my gosh. It's, it's time. She had to live in her car and come to find out she'd, Spent some time with my mom when my mom had her store and my mom helped her out with some cash. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, kind of gave her, kind of gave her a, a, um, I don't know, a nudge to keep moving forward. And now she owns her own business and is very successful with it. And she's, she's been a nurse at, at, for some time. My wife and her work together and now she does my wife's hair. And, but, uh, it's just interesting wow. to see, you know, the arc of some people's careers you know, I've, oh, yeah. I've certainly got an interesting arc to my life, um, and, and I think you do, too. And that's that's why I wanted to, to sit down with you and record it and just find out, you know, the yeah. just more about Eric Fagan art. Right. So 
we had talked a little bit and you talked about, you know, you weren't the best student in school. Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> but tell us about how you got excited. What got you excited about art? Well, for me, it was, you know, it started really early. Like I'm talking probably preschool or so, kindergarten. Um, I would be drawing, you know, just at home. And uh, my parents were always encouraging. But, you know, if I couldn't get something to look right, I remember struggling drawing tires on vehicles. Like I always liked old cars and old trucks. And that was always kind of my thing as a kid, like growing up. And and so I would try to draw the perfect tire, you know, that circle without oh, yeah. tracing and everything. And I would struggle and I'd ask my dad to help me. He's like, well, I can't do any better than that, you know, <laughs> and what you're doing. And I'm like, but it's not right, you know. And and so I always like, you know, still today, you know, that was always my drive was to make it, you know, how I saw it and uh, to make it right, you know. And but I remember being in kindergarten, um, you know, four or five years old and I was at the babysitters and I drew a Bugs Bunny. Um, and to me, it was, you know, he, it was as tall as I was because it was that old paper, you know, with the green lines that yeah. they would use. And uh, you would tear it off. It was perforated on the sides with the little holes all the way down. And uh, so she had just tonnage of that. And so I would, you know, just flip out, you know, six or seven different, you know, pages and just draw. And I drew a huge Bugs Bunny. And I just came toting it into, you know, kindergarten that day because it was a half day. So I would, I went in at, you know, after lunchtime until three or whatever. And uh, so I brought that in. I was so excited and I showed them. They're like, that's amazing. She hung it up and all the kids were like, you know, wow, that's amazing. You're great at drawing and stuff. So right then I kind of understood that that's how I stood out. That was me like being different than anyone else around. I always played sports, football, baseball, basketball were my favorites. You know, I wrestled and did track and everything all the way up through high school and my senior year. Um, but art was always what separated me from the rest, you know, and it's what I excelled in. And But school, I, you know, I hated school. It was a struggle <laughs> to get up. Homework was not my, it was not my forte especially math. I just could not, I still today, I have students and, you know, who are in six and I, I run in um, sixth grade lunch uh, redirection right now. And I have them asking me questions about how to do some of my Excel stuff, math work. And I'm like, buddy, I have no idea. I said, what do you think? You tell me, <laughs> you teach me what you know, and then we'll see if we can't figure this out together, especially when they throw a letter in there. That's when it just, I, you know, yeah, that's my kryptonite. Um, so anyway, it was always a struggle through school homework, you know, was always a fight to get it done. And it wasn't always cause I just wanted to sit around and draw, but I wanted to be outside playing. I wanted to play sports. Sure. It just, you know, my, I just wasn't wired that way. That was always hands-on. If it could be hands-on, then I was all in and, uh, you know, I, I would do my best, but schoolwork was just, you know, keeping me from doing all the things I wanted to do. It's always interested yeah. me that. You know, someone who understands um, spatial, you know, anything spatial. So any kind of construction, you know, any kind of art, any kind of um, building of something where, you know, math is involved in it. Math is involved in, in all of art uh, mm -hmm. and understanding of spatial elements and how they work, how things work within a space is very similar to being able to figure out a lot of math problems, but oh, absolutely. it's really different to see it in a mathematical point of view 
with a mathematical mind and then with an artistic view. And so whenever I hear people talk about, well, when's the last time you used, you know, geometry? I'm like, dude, I, I, we actually use it all the time. Well, what about algebra? I ain't never used no algebra. We use algebra all the time. It's problem solving. It's understanding how things work together. It's, it's understanding how to find an unknown. And uh, when I, when I hear people talk about, you know, oh, I wasn't good at math, but you have this incredible talent to create art. There is so much math that's going on that it just doesn't fit within the book work, the scholarly math that, exactly. that people, you know, relate to as that's how I learned it. That's how it is. Well, you just see it a little bit differently. Right. You know, the guys that do construction, man, there is so much math going on within a construction. And, and what's interesting is sometimes we see some folks that struggled in school. They didn't understand the scholarly part of it. But damn it, man, the guys that came in and did my, my bathroom, they were using all kinds of math, figuring that out. I mean, oh, absolutely. Pulling, like ripping things down and pulling things apart and rebuilding them and having to create new walls and making sure the plumbing was in the right place and at the right height and uh, th that it was square, that it was plumb, you know, wasn't wall. It didn't look like Charlie Bucket when they got done. I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's crazy. And I bet if you ask those guys, if they enjoyed school or if they got good grades, you know, in math or in school, they'd probably be like, no, 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 absolutely not. It took me to be, you know, I had to do it with my hands to figure it out. Uh, when I had the construction class there for a short stint in school, it was, it was funny. I was teaching them how to read rulers and right. we started, you know, and I'm like, these are fractions guys. And then I had to take a minute. I'm like, these are fractions. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm teaching math right now. That's and this it. is crazy. And I got kids learning from me and they're learning math. And, and so then I started relating it to what they're learning in class a little bit. And, you know, it was just a surprise. I think all of us, all our faces, like, you know, there was that moment where the light bulb goes off on everybody's head at the same time. You can almost hear it go, bing, you know. And uh, it was just funny because, you know, we were all learning math and we didn't realize that, hey, you know, this is, if, if somebody had told us, hey, learn how to read a ruler, then you'll be able to figure out math. Um, oh, you'd have quit but, long you know, before. That would have made it so much easier because then it's right there. It's physical. You can see it, you know, and, and how it relates to our world. But Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's on the other it's hand, looking you, outside the box and looking in is what it is. If you said, hey, learn fractions so we can do this work, people are going to shut down. Oh, absolutely. You know, but instead it's like, hey, here on the ruler, it's just 16 spaces, blah, 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 you know, yada, yada. And they're like, all of a sudden they start actually doing it with your hands. I'm a hands-on guy too. And, and I think without the hands-on piece, I would have struggled. I was always working on something, man. I yeah. was always yeah. tearing something apart. God, my poor dad, <laughs> man, he would always, he'd always blame me for the tools in the yard. I did not leave the tools in the yard all the time, <laughs> right. but I know for a fact, I know for a fact he left a lot of tools in the yard we found them all the time uh, and because i was the one that was mowing and i know i didn't have that wrench out <laughs> yeah ping. you just hear it hitting right off the oh, blade so you, yeah that's too funny i just had that conversation with my son uh, he, <laughs> he was and i'm laughing because it's so real right now um <laughs> we were 
we were doing something and I needed some tools and he was like, well, we don't have that one. And I'm like, what do you mean we don't have it? And I said, we had it, you know, a few weeks ago. And he's like, yep, we did. And uh, I was like, you leave it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so he leaves tools everywhere. And so I, my toolbox is probably a quarter of what it should be that's in right. it is in it. And that's been since he was like a little bitty guy. So he's got that gene too, where yeah, he's good just for him. The engines, anything he could, he could, like just wants to figure it out taking carburetors apart putting them back together and he's you know 13 going on 14 and he's you know that's that's how he he's the same way he doesn't like school but he understands the importance of it you know and we harp on that a little bit but it's just again man it's just you know wired a little different so yeah man people have different talents people have different skill sets and, and i i think it's as as an educator former educator i feel like i just I failed kids that not like grade wise, but I failed them as an educator to find a way to connect with them. Yeah. You know, and I was pretty creative and I find ways that, you know, I, I would get as creative as possible, but at some level we're stuck. We're, we're yeah. stuck in a, in a spot where it's like, gosh, we can't, we can't just take these four kids and put them in a corner and have them building things every day. Yeah. And then these other 20 doing something else and these six doing that, you, you can't do that. Number one, Yeah. you know, an administrator yeah. walks in and you're like, Oh, well, listen, I think, I think there are administrators out there that they're going to applaud that. Right. You yeah. know, as long as you can show Agreed. the value of it and you can definitely show that, you know, you were, you were finding ways to, to reach every learner. But I think on the other hand, you, you do have a curriculum you have to touch on. And if you, if you are not connecting that, uh, it's going to create a problem, but boy, absolutely. It, does it have to be? That's my big question. Does it have to be, does it have yeah. to connect every time directly for it to, for it to pass that litmus test. I struggled with that. I struggled with that for the nine years I was a teacher. Yeah, it's difficult. It really is. And, you know, and each kid's different. You know, you wish you had an individualized, you know, learning plan for each kid and you could sure. make that successful each and every time. But it is difficult. And age-wise, you know, we're talking about middle school for me. And, you know, um, it runs the gamut. They're a different kid each day that you have them. And they got so much going on and just stuff that they're bringing to the table. And some of them, you're just glad to see them there that day. That's you right. Know? That's, and, and boy, uh, that's another one to touch on, right? I mean, just yeah, knowing absolutely. that they made it today and, uh, you know, applauding them for just getting to school because it probably wasn't because of mom or dad. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. It is. And so for me, my saving grace was art. You know, that's yeah. what kind of brought it all back around. Um, so, you know, as I was going in um, through high school, you know, that's what I did. I, I, I joked, I saw um, Chuck Noonan is turned 60 Saturday, Yeah, came in the shop. He was a former teacher and, you know, colleague of ours. And uh, he retired and he's living his best life now. And uh, he came in and he said, it's my 60th birthday and my kids are going to buy me one of your paintings. That's what I wanted. Oh, that's awesome. So oh it was gosh. really cool. And he's like, now I kind of wish I would have saved all your extra credit that you did. <laughs> that's my class. He goes, it would, it would be, uh, you know, <laughs> much more valuable now. 
and I kind of laughed it off, but I said, you know, it's true though. If I didn't, if teachers weren't cool enough or, you know, gracious enough to let me do some extra credit, um, you know, on my, <laughs> on my own accord saying, Hey, I need to do something, um, to pass your class, then, uh, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have made it out of high school. Um, but yeah, so anyway, it was just funny that he remarked about that. But yeah, it's always been something that was back there. And I took a year or two off after I graduated. I went to, you know, IUS and it was awful. It wasn't any better than high school. And, you know, I struggled with one, what I was going to do. I, I actually failed out of um, out of school my freshman year there. And I worked a, for a year at a Kmart locally <laughs> and uh, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I ended up going to art school and went to uh, Heron School of Art in Indianapolis and you know, that kind of opened my eyes up to, you know, this art thing. This could be something that I could make, you know, a living at if I really push. So my whole time was spent there is just trying to learn and get as much as I possibly could out of it. And uh, after I graduated in 2006, um, I came back to Madison not really knowing what I want to do. I, I really didn't want to go back to school to get a graduate degree and teach college and so I just started um, doing outdoor festivals and shows and got some gallery representation while I was still at Heron um, and got to travel a little bit and get some experience at galleries in that setting and get some representation, like I said. And uh, so that kind of gave me the initiative and the push to like really try to make something of it. And, you know, it's difficult if you're on your own and you're not coming out of a graduate program um, kind of placing you, um, it, it is difficult and, um, you know, I try to make the best out of it. I actually stayed in Madison and just um, would ship work out and um, to galleries and shows, showings and everything. And then 2012, my parents were um, like, you really need a space that you can showcase your work um, here locally. And I was like, yeah, that would be cool. And uh, I would really enjoy that. So we started looking at buildings. Um, my dad was just, you know, he was looking to uh, invest in the community and um, purchase the building at 115. And from there, it was just kind of history. It's been about 13 years. And um, my stuff is just, you know, it's it's been great to be able to showcase locally and, and do that and to be on a national scale as well with my work. Um, but also the same time, 2013, when we opened, the building as Gallery 115. Um, I was approached by Madison's Holiday School saying they had a fine arts academy. They'd like to start at the public school system. And would I be interested in doing that? And I mean, I didn't even really take a second to think about it. I was like, absolutely. Because mm -hmm. I instantly thought about myself, you know, going through school, if they had a fine arts program, what that would have meant to me and what that would have done for me. Um, you know, I, it wouldn't have been a, such a struggle those first two, three years of figuring out where I'm going or what I'm going to do. It would have been easy decisions. So um, that being said, I started that. I fell in love with teaching. I was just part-time on emergency license. And uh, from that point, um, there that next year, they approached me and they said, hey, we'd like to bring it down to the um, lower levels and we'd like to start at the junior high. Would you be interested in a full-time position? And so I was like, yeah, sure, that would be fun to try. I wasn't too <laughs> sure about the age level and all that. I really connected with the high school students, and I always have. Just because of skill level, I can really push them to that next level. Um, but junior high, it was – I remember my junior high years, and, you know, it wasn't any better. So <laughs> I uh, I thought, yeah, how, how great would it be to get a really good arts program at the junior high level? So 
Um, and then, uh, yeah, and I've been doing it for what, 13 years going on 13 years now. So, um, and it's been great. So what is the difference between them having the fine arts program and the school just having an art program in their buildings? Uh, I think funding and focus are the two biggest ones. I think that the braining, so the fine arts program, the fine arts academy is actually at the high school level. Um, it does not go down to the junior high level, but we are kind of creating a pathway for students interested in the arts. So my biggest goal is to, to get, you know, to familiarize them with um, both the elements and principles of art and design, but also different types of media. And then for them to just think about how they can create a career path. So I have visiting artists come in and uh, locally and nationally recognized artists coming in and trying to get programs and um, for them and projects and through the city of Madison as well. So we've done a lot with that here in the last few years. I actually have a visiting artist, local visiting artist tomorrow and we're creating work for um, Casa of Jefferson County, which helps displace kids yeah. in our community and represents them. So um, the paintings will actually go to an auction. Um, they have a little gala um, dinner and dancing kind of thing. And then the artwork gets auctioned off and local community um, people that come through there, they get to, you know, choose which painting they like and hopefully raise some good money for children that need that in our community. So that's always been really important to a lot of those students we have in class. So um, it's important for them to see, you know, their contributions to the community and what that can do as well in doing it through art. So well, I'm glad you um, brought that up because that's something that yeah. I've, I've always, um, number one, I've always been impressed by how connected to the community you are and not, not just you, but Madison schools, I think in general, do a, a really nice job of connecting the community and the school system, um, as a whole, not everything's perfect, you know, but I, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to work in some different districts and, um, I think it's done as well there as, as I've seen. And a big part of that is, is the art program, um, not just uh, the visual arts, but with, um, with the plays, with, with the different um, community events, with band, with jazz band, with uh, different, different components of the arts, the culinary arts. As a great example, I think you've connected so well with your programming at the junior high and being able to reach out and, and I wanted to touch on that. How how did that come about to where you are you are bringing these community partners in to connect what the kids are doing in the classroom to the greater community as a whole? And it's not just Madison. These are these are things and and you know pathways, career pathways that translate far beyond Madison's borders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like, number one, the school and the community need to be connected. I mean, that, that that's huge because without community involvement, um, without those kids seeing, you know, there is something beyond what they see every day. Um, you know, later on when they graduate and they go off and be successful, that they come and bring something back um, new to this community that just adds that much more culture, that much more personality, and that much more richness to it. And you know, for them to see, you know, what little things they do now and how that bridges that gap between um, the things that they 
you know, maybe don't see that happens in the community, but they can, I can bring it into the classroom and they can feel like they can be a part of that. Even if home is terrible, life is terrible for them at this moment that they can see that, you know, they can rise above that and be successful. And so I think having the community in and, you know, them seeing the students and being familiar with what their, their capabilities are, which is amazing really at, you know, I'm dealing with fifth through eighth graders and some of the stuff that they're putting out is just incredible. And I have community members all the time are, that are reaching out and say, Hey, would you be interested in doing this? Can we, can we use students for this? And, and so it's just been building and building each year that I've been there. But yeah, I, I think number one is just getting that relationship um, and creating a strong relationship with your community and with your school and your, your students. Um, and like I said, it just now there, people are reaching out to be able to, for us to be able to do these things. And so it's awesome. Kids get excited about it. And like I said, it makes them feel like they're a part of something um, bigger than themselves. And uh, that's where you get that buy-in. That's what makes them want to come to school. That's what makes them want to do better. You know, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been a great connection for us. One of the, the uh, one of the highlights that I've taken with <clears throat> me from my experience in Madison was um, the, the art shows that you would you would bring out of the schools and into local venues, uh, the the Thomas Winery was yeah. was one that I, I thought was just a great way to share it. And I, I'm not sure if you're still able to to put that on at the winery or not, but um, the fact that you're you're taking it out of the school and it's not hey come into our cafeteria and walk around you know do an art walk through here. It is yeah. a hey we we are a part of the community and because of that this is where it would be if you had art it would not just be an art gallery in your school hallway commons area cafeteria wherever it would be out somewhere in a community in a setting like this and i thought that was a great way to display it a great way to connect it how did that come about what was your thoughts behind that well um you know, local arts myself. So I see these venues that have artwork. And so I just reached out and said, have you ever been, have you ever thought about, you know, hosting students or, you know, children's art? And they were like, oh, we never really thought about that. That would be really, I think that'd be interesting. Let's talk about that and what that looks like. So we did and, and we made it happen. And it was just kind of on a whim, just, you know, seeing artwork and then thinking about students. Let's Let's see what it looks like when they do something and we put it out into the community. So from that, we are still working with Thomas Family Winery. We actually have awesome. March. I have to go to the, I think it's the Ohio Valley Celtic Society. Um, They're actually giving us a donation to create artwork oh, that wow. is a Celtic themed um, show. And so I'm, we're going to look at different mediums and materials that maybe some of the Celtic art, you know, has or inspires and then students are gonna make work from that and we're gonna showcase that we unfortunately don't do the um you know host the parents and the family coming in but the show is up and viewable and you know this is a great winery they have lots of people coming through on the weekends from out, outside the community and, and within the community tourist wise and then we they have live music every saturday night so it you're you're getting a little bit of everybody coming through and seeing these. And we actually, you know, are able to sell these for students and, you know, make a little money for them, which is always a good incentive for anyone. Mm -hmm. um, so that part's really cool. 
Another one that we had just come up um, is with a local eye doctor. They're opening up um, a dry eye. Um, it's dry eye and something else. And I'm sorry, I don't know what it is, but they're opening it up in a medical building, new office. And so what they are doing is they are, he got with me and said, hey, what if your students created an art wall for us? And so each student's gonna, I think there's 18 that I've chosen um, and they are gonna create paintings and the theme is how do you see the world? Hmm. And so it's the world through their eyes. And I just, I'm gonna buy different size canvases and give each one and then the student's going to take it from there and do what they will with it. It's how do they see the world? So that's pretty cool. You know, I tried to pick, you know, a little bit of everyone for student wise, you know, so culturally we're diverse, um, you know, different backgrounds, different grade levels, different, you know, um, just different experiences is what I'm looking for. So they've, they're gonna run that across the wall and then they purchase a piece from me as well to hang up and then they'll have a write up and stuff. So it's really cool and viewers, you know, when public comes in to go to the eye doctor, they get to see this artwork through there. And hmm. so that's gonna be pretty cool. They're gonna host a, little um opening and everything for the students and music and he wants you know the cheeses and crackers and all the you know it's going to be pretty nice for them so you know it, it shows them in a you know in a new light another way um and it gives the students an you know another experience that's positive in their life through school so again trying to get that student to think about school and being a positive for them wow yeah i get i get quite a few people that come through my studio here and I have a couple different pieces in my, well, I have three different pieces in my room. Wait a minute. I've got more than that. So in, in my podcast studio, I have the wire mask and I want to, I want to talk oh, about yeah. that before we get off here. One, I think it's one of the most impactful uh, units that you do, but I also have the Bob Ross chair. Um, I have the piece that was created uh, by Foster, Robert, is it Robert Foster? I can't remember his first oh, name. Oh yeah. When we did the, uh, Bob Ross experience. Yep. And then I've got the, awesome. uh, the Bob Ross experience paint or uh, drawing that you did uh, oh, yeah. with the directions on how where to turn. <laughs> that was us figuring out real quick that, Oh, we need some signage. So people know where to go. <laughs> so it, my Bob Ross corner um, is, is, is getting, getting crowded to be quite honest. And I'm going to have to recreate it. Um, but, you know, I get a lot of comments about the mask and, yeah. um, you know, you're talking about diverse students and I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about that kid, but, yeah. and I don't want to say who he is, but the, the power of their ability <clears throat> to create and, and the emotion that something as simple as some bent wire can evoke and, and I remember the first time you asked me to come up and, and look at the, the wire mask and yeah. uh, said, hey, pick pick one or pick a couple or whatever it was. And I was just like, that's the one. And there was something about it that just had a lot of emotion to it. It felt like it just it drew me in. And then when I found out who had created it, gosh, man, I'm really pulling back to emotions I had a few years ago thinking about it. Yeah. It's interesting yeah, when I have someone sit down in this chair across from me and it's right next to them and they look to the left and they're like, this is really cool. Yeah. And my thought is a 14 year old 
created that. And, and it's yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. And what speaks most volume is that negative space of it. So you have the you know the positive space or the actual wire that creates the shape space. And for those that can't see it, you know, it's just like if you're basically doing a stick figure face is what you would think of just a couple hollowed out eyes and, you know, resemblance of somewhat of a mouth and, you know, the wire kind of bent and mushed together to create like this, you know, ovalish shape for the head. And, but it's everything that resides within that negative space between those wires is where it gets you. And it's, it's the kid, it's the history and the idea behind why we did those um, that, that really makes it powerful. Well, and uh, tell us a little bit about that project and why why you chose that artist and, and, and what it is. Yeah, so we we created um, these wire portraits after Alexander Calder. So I showed students, you know, and introduced Alexander Calder. And, you know, he's an American artist working. Um, and I think he passed away in the 70s. Mm-hmm. But he was uh, fantastic at just using wire to create. He was famous for his mobiles, but I really was drawn to his portraits that he was doing with wire, just the simplicity of the line and was just able to create a sense of real volume and space with just a, you know, just a bend of a wire. And it was really cool. And so students um, were also at the same time, they were, I would, I was wanting to do something that was kind of cross-curricular anyway. And so ELA, they were working and they're talking about Anne Frank and the Holocaust. And I thought, well, how cool, like if you look at portraits of these Jewish prisoners in these Mm. concentration camps and you look at those faces staring back at you and you think about that and, and you think about what if it was me, what if that was, that was me and my family that was separated in there. And then that's like just a whole nother, you know, thing there. And then I was thinking about, well, if we take and make, students make self-portraits, but they do it in the sense that they're thinking about those Holocaust victims looking back. And then if you look at the wire and the way they kind of mash it and push it together, because it's not easy to use the wire. It definitely, it'll cut your (laughs) finger a little bit, you know, and it's, it's oiled so that it doesn't rust. So then your hands are all gritty and dirty and you smell like, you know, you've been working on cars all day. And it, it's just, you know, and it, it's just all part of that struggle of them trying to force that wire around to do what they want. It doesn't, they get frustrated and it's just bending it into shape and, you know, trying to make a portrait or something that looks like a portrait. Um, and then, um, you know, thinking about that looking like, um, like rough and barbed wire, um, you know, or something like that was left over on a battlefield you know, some sort of fencing or, you know, what they were stuck behind um, in those concentration camps. So it was really cool to think about um, and the gravity of that all kind of put together. But um, so we call it the wire mass project, but I would um, hang these and install them in a big window that we have, um, a big showcase window. Um, And I would put them on uh, fishing lines so that they just look like they were floating in space and we had spotlights on them so then you'd cast the shadow of them so then it looks like there's more mass than there actually are that are like stuck in you know on that paper that shadow of that gray looking behind them so it looks deeper than it is and then you know I would put wire mass project but I carved it out of cardboard so it looks like the gate entrance to like Auschwitz 
and wrote it in German. So you really feel the gravity of it. And then, of course, we had documentation and some photos and some information about the project and about Alexander Calder. So it, it was really um, one of those that just those projects that I mean, I would always go back to. Um, I think just the connectedness that students feel afterwards, after reading about Anne Frank and the Holocaust, after learning about Calder and then thinking about themselves and their family. Um, yeah, I think it's just one of those that you just, you know, it's it's a good one. So I want to add the, a, a piece the of icing detail. on the cake. Yeah, the yeah. icing on the cake is their name. So, of course, when you go through those concentration camps, you're not a name, you're just a number. So students get um, ID numbers for their lunch codes. And so instead of putting their name on it, I had them just take some masking tape and wrap it around it and it gets all greasy and dirty from their hands. And then they just took a Sharpie and wrote their lunch code on it. And that's how they were identified. So then again, it just takes the name out of it. And now they're just a number. They're not even, you know, not even able to have a name. So I think then again, just the gravity kind of hits them a little bit more than yeah. just reading. So now we're doing that cross-curricular. They're, they're kind of encompassing all, all of it. It's the so. number that, that maybe hits me as much as anything else. I think it's that, it's that little component that draws everything together um, that, that tells, that tells the, the onlooker that, Hey, this is, this is uh, an individual, but it is not an individual, you know, it's right. Yeah, it's exactly. Like all that you piece. might as well be an animal or something, right? And you're right. I never really thought about how that shadow added so many more faces to the wall behind it. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like it, ghosted it. Could, yeah, you could see it. I knew it was there. I recognized it. But now thinking back on it, walking down that hallway and being able to see that displayed that way, just what a powerful, very powerful piece. Now, you've also brought in, um, man, I, I hate dancing away from that because, no, yeah, gosh, dude, I could spend an hour probably just well, talking about Well, I was going to say, in the number thing, I have to add, that was an afterthought. It became the oh, most important part of it. But that was just like a student going, what, what do we do with our name? And I was like, oh, I, don't, I didn't think about that. <laughs> I was so excited about the project. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, 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 put your, put your, your lunch coat on it. And then how do we do that? Oh, get a piece of tape and just wrap it. So anyway, it was just funny that, you know, it was just an afterthought that became the most important part of the whole piece. So. I'm going to post a picture of it on all my social media so that when this airs, everybody can see what we're talking about. Because it, yeah. it's one thing to kind of hear about it. Uh, it's another to see it. And, and, and the other piece that I really, really appreciate, um, is how typically when we, when we think of student art, we think of that stuff that, you know, if you have kids, your kids brought home, or if you are that kid that you brought home and it's just the paper it's on or just the yeah. physical object. But I think the part that sets what you do above and beyond, um, any other school at, at that level um, any other public school project that I've seen is the framing, uh, of, yeah. of everything you do. And, um, is that something where you're, you're getting some help from a local partner as well? Yeah. Uh, Benzer's framing, they, they, uh, Chip Benzer, he, he cuts me a, a great deal, um, and just does everything, um, basically at cost for me when it comes to student work. Um, 
and so yeah when we when we do sell student work you know a portion of it pays for the framing and the other portion goes back to the student usually like a 50 50 um kind of deal sure but yeah he uh yeah he's he's just great and he has an eye for that and he just what he does is artistry as well oh man and it just sets it off That's you so know? True. yeah like, it just sets it off and you you know he's just he's really good at what he does but it, then again it's just showing students like Go 100% all in at everything you do. If you're passionate about it, just don't leave anything behind. And so I want them to see that in their work. I want, it's funny how when they're creating this stuff, they don't see the beauty that I see in it. I'm like, man, I wish I would have painted that. And they just look at me with the weirdest look, or they're like, does this look good? Or does this look right? And I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. And they're like, you're paid to say that. You have to tell us what's good. I'm like, absolutely not. I said, I don't think so. I said, you don't understand how I'm seeing this. You're not seeing it the way I'm seeing it. But when we do these shows outside of school um, and it's all framed and it's hanging up, Dude. they're just like, oh, wow. There like, was a they, rooster. They get it then. There was a rooster a couple years ago. You know I wanted that thing so oh, badly. Yeah. And I think the parents ended up buying it. Yeah, the parents but, said they definitely wanted my that. God, that rooster yeah. was so cool. And was yeah. that, what, a fifth or sixth grader that created it? And yeah, it was sixth grade. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, man, that thing just popped. It had all the components it was quirky. It was pop art. It was all these things. And when you, when you frame that thing out all of a sudden, I mean, it was cool without being framed, but once it was framed, right. oh man. Yeah. It just enhances it that much more. It yeah. It was our, it was our, uh, funky Picasso, uh, roosters that we do. So it's kind of Picasso inspired like these, um, you know, these cubist kind of roosters, um, but the kids just take the idea of it and just run. They use all kinds of media. Every, I mean, it's got paper and plastic and just anything they can find. What? I mean, I even had somebody glue, you know, those little babies that you get oh, yeah. um, in the king cakes oh, or whatever. God, I was just telling somebody about that the other day. <laughs> I walked into a school. It was up in, um, it was up in Fort Wayne. I walk into a school and the ladies there it was <clears> on <throat> Fat Tuesday. And I said, yeah. uh, I said you, look, you look really Mardi Gras. And she goes, it's Fat Tuesday. I'm like, oh. You know, when I was when I was a principal, we had um, Linda Linda Cole that was oh, yeah. always doing something awesome with with that, and uh, I just remember how excited she got, how excited the kids were, and those yeah. stinking babies that would be all over <laughs> the school. And every kid's uh, got beads on, and yeah. it's just funny to think of junior high kids running around with beads around their necks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she did a very nice job of explaining the, the beads. She did that was that was a lot of fun to go in and watch her teach uh on on that subject that was man those are the little things I, i'm truly going to miss uh, about being in the building with the kids with the teachers and seeing that that learning happening seeing those roosters that are made these you know the different art pieces that that uh are hanging around and, and the cool stuff kids are doing i will i i certainly miss it already but now talking about it it's like gosh dude <laughs> yeah i miss that it, part it's got its yeah, it's got its moments, but man, it's, it, you know, just connecting with kids and making some cool stuff is what makes it all worth it for sure. Well, I couldn't think of a better person to be in the position you are to, to do the things you do. Um, you know, being able, being number one, being, being a son of Madison, I mean, you're there, you've, you've got to grow up in that environment and, and I think you truly appreciate it. It's not like, um, you know, it just dawned on you all of a sudden, oh, this would be cool to, you know, 
I think you've always had an appreciation for it. And I certainly think your parents right. do as well. And I've met both of them. And um, one of my favorite things to do is going into your, in your mom's store. I miss going in there and seeing her. And, and I would go, who's this, uh, who's this Eric, Eric Fagan? Is that, is that his name? And she'd just be like, well, that's, yep, he's my son. Like, is he, is he like, <laughs> yeah. you know, a famous artist or something? Or she goes, no, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> She's so sweet. Yeah. And then eventually it got to the point where she'd go, I know who you are. <laughs> yeah, it takes her a minute. She always said, There's this guy that came in, like the first couple. She's like, This guy, and he looks really familiar. But I don't know if I think it's your assistant principal, but That's I don't so know. But I met your dad in there. I met your dad in there, and I think I think I was done. I think I was out of the school. It might have been after I'd I'd already moved back here. And uh, I see him and I'm like, I think that's Eric's dad. And the whole time my, my wife's like, don't do it. Don't, <laughs> but I couldn't help myself. I'm like, yeah, who's this, uh, who's this fella? I can't even read his name. He scribbled on the, all the artwork in here. And he's like, well, that's my son, Eric Fagan. And I'm like, is he some kind of local, you know, famous person or something. And Jennifer's like, Scott, stop it. <laughs> I think you might've walked in on that at one point. <laughs> yeah, very possibly. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's funny. In the inside, he's probably like, who's this guy? All right. Just, Shut up, buddy. I'm just trying to get out of here. I'm just filling time. <laughs> well, yeah. They've jumped in. I've gotten busy with city and, you know, which is great for the arts in the city and, and sitting on some boards and stuff, but, and then with school and kids and life, dude, you got a lot going on the art. Yeah. There's a lot. It's a couple things. And, and you're uh, still producing. So, That's the thing. It's like, yeah, I got two in the basement I'm working on right oh. now and, uh, <laughs> trying to get them done before the weekend. And, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a balance for sure. Just don't sleep much and you get a lot more done that way. Well, I want to uh, <laughs> talk about the cake decorating lady that comes in. Um, yeah, Caitlin. Yes. Yeah. Dude, what a way to share that. Because, you know, another just another way to share some art. And that is a, a, a fine art for sure. Um, how, how did that come about? Is she a former student of yours? Yeah. Now, she is a former student. She was, I would say, my probably my second, third year at the junior high um she came through and she was just one of those students that was just super talented nice like you know didn't have to really do much in the way of you know trying to get her excited about art um she was already there and just super you know great craftsmanship you can usually tell you know a kid by how they you know craftsmanship wise that's that's a big thing and for me is like if they notice those things the little things mm -hmm. and uh, she already did and so came through great personality and then she um went on her her uh, family actually owns a local bakery and so she, that's how she grew up was making donuts and you know making icing and all that was well, now Wait, she's there is she connected with horst yeah I yeah no idea granddaughter. That, yeah that makes yeah. it even better horse donuts I are my know, favorite right now listen i i've I was just at a donut place yesterday and, and as I walked in, all that I've heard about is this, you know, this donut place up in Fort Wayne, there's one in Fishers. Now I can't think of the name of it because number one, if they don't compete with Horst, right. I don't remember their names. No, they were good. Right. But when I told the lady, I said, now listen, I'm a bit of a donut. Uh, I, I won't say snob, but, um, connoisseur, connoisseur. I'm not a sommelier. And this lady's looking at me like, what in the hell is wrong with this guy? <laughs> it's not, yeah. 
<laughs> but man, I miss some horse donuts. They they are delicious. So, so she is now um, creating the cake works that come out. Yeah, of there. she does all that. She's done it for a few years now. I think when I first started having her in there, is I you know walked in and I was talking to her and she was working on a cake and I'm like, you do all this? She's like, yeah. She also <sighs> does tattoo. Um, so when she's not at the shop in the early mornings, in the afternoon, evening, she's um, giving tattoos. Oh and gosh. so, she, yeah, she's actually amazing at that, too. So uh, apparently they go very much hand in hand. And uh, so she does all the cake design and cupcakes and cookies and all that great stuff and then gives really good tattoos. So I was like, hey, would you love to come in? You know, would you want to come in and talk to our students about what you do being a former student? like, you know, how you went through the art program and like what you did and your experiences and where you're at now. And she's like, oh, I'd love to, you know. So now it's an every semester thing. She comes in and decorates a cake um, for the first couple of classes during the day. And um, and then, of course, you know, I give those to the teachers to eat. But she always does some specialized cookies. They say who arted on them. Um, <laughs> and, we, and we give those out to the students that she decorates as well. But, yeah, students get to, you know, she'll call them up. They get to, you know, she'll show them some icing techniques and how to do it. And, yeah, the cakes are already made. She just icings them up. So, and students love it. I mean, it's always a theme, you know, of yeah, whatever yeah. time of year it is. And, and, you know, it's just get opening up in something else and something in our community and just trying to, you know, bridge that gap between community and education with our school and, you know, and the arts, you know, showing that there's all kinds mm. of different ways to be, you know, uh, creative in, in, in the arts. So, it's um, also, but yeah, it's we showing love that, it. that culinary path that, yeah. you know, some of them may be thinking, but they're like, eh, I don't want to cook food. And then, man, I'm just thinking if I'm sitting in there, I'm like, oh, yes, I'm going to make cake all day. Yeah, I know. You know. And it's funny. I actually, when I was younger, like I was trying to think, you know, and this would have been junior high and going into high school age. I, was, I actually thought about that's what I wanted to do for a short stand. And that's before you had all the, the you know, reality TV shows with right. the cake decorators and all that stuff on there. And, um, you know, if I'd seen that stuff, I'd probably be like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's it. And uh, so I thought about that. I thought about Disney. I thought about going out to Hollywood and doing movie sets. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then, you know, got busy with other things. And um, But I ended up where I ended up because that's where I was supposed to be. And it's been amazing ever since. So now I'm just, I'm hoping like a springboard for kids. They just get passionate, excited as I do about things. And then they just go for it. And, uh, yeah, you're definitely creating magic, um, in that classroom and in the, in the community as a whole and helping tie that in. Um, you know, you've got a beautiful city to be able to, to utilize as a backdrop for everything you do. And I want to, I want to touch on, on your artwork that you do outside of the school as well. <coughs> and some of the work you have done, um, you know, I was introduced to it when, obviously going into the gallery and, and seeing your work at, at 115. But um, you, we've talked about this before. It, it almost feels like there's two sides of your art. There is the landscape side and then there's the abstract side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not that they don't tie together because I, I truly believe they do, but there is, there is such a, a gap between the, the landscape and architectural stuff you do versus the abstract can you touch on that a little bit yeah yeah absolutely and i 
Well, and it's funny, like they've started to meld together a little bit more now. I've kind of loosened up my palette on my landscapes, which has helped me try to include um, figurative in, in with that. Because before, when I first started, um, we're talking, you know, 2010, 11, um, doing the landscapes of Madison and, and, and that, um, it was a little bit more um, just no vehicles, no people. It was just buildings and, you know, landscape only and, and not thinking about um, anything else. And then as I've kind of gotten to this point, I've, I've bridged those two a little bit more. But, yeah, it's, it, there was always a disconnect between this is landscape and this was just what I do and this is how I see the world around me. Um, and then this is the figurative work and this is more of a personal, it's kind of more of like a psychological self-portrait where the figure may not look like me, but it re definitely represents me um, with, you know, within um, the artwork. And so, um, but like I said, it started to bridge a little bit more, but yeah, I was figurative work. Um, I've strayed away a little bit from it just because it's so hard to get into the studio and do clay by the time you get everything set up. It's you uh, start working, um, it's off to do something else, whether it's with kids or whatever, but paint, I can lay down and I can go and I can come right back. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of, I think that's kind of pushed me into wanting to be creative with the figure, but also doing the landscapes, you know, and and so that, I think that's why they've kind of melded together a little bit more. But yeah, my, uh, my figurative work's always been, it was kind of coined as creepy cool. Uh, when I was doing the <laughs> festivals and the gallery work and everything, it was it was one of those things where it was uh, just one of those things, a little darker um, landscapes. They still have that kind of that texturized. They all deal with time. They got um, kind of the old color, heavy black. And then you got the line works um, that come through with my ink work that I do on top of it as well. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of all loosened up. And like I said, the figure has kind of made its way back in. Um, to the landscape, which I'm liking a lot now. So, I've noticed uh, on a, a on a past few, um, and I didn't realize it until you just talked about it. But they they're not as shadowy, right? They're present. Yeah, where I feel like your your figure is is more shadowy, dark, uh, lurking in the in the bushes somewhere, um, right? Following along, like. Don't forget I'm here, buddy. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, they definitely come more defined. And I think that's because, you know, as you get older, you start figuring out life a little bit more and you start figuring out who you are. Um, you know, I'm in my 40s now. So I feel like, you know, I start, you, you know, you start finding out what this life is all about. And um, so as I'm piecing it together, so too my artwork is starting to find its way and merging um, together to be... Um, you know, more of a representation of who I am now versus who I was, or um, it still has emotion and feeling in it because that's just a humanistic quality and, um, you know, one that, you know, serves my work well, but um, it is, again, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I think it's me developing into the person that, you know, I was kind of hoped I'd be and in, in working on who I am. And so I think these figures that I'm creating in these landscapes are starting to piece it back together too. Interesting you brought that up because as you were talking about, you know, how you've gone from, um, you know, getting into your 40s and kids and family and, um, you know, being being a person uh, in the community, 
and I'm thinking about what were your inspirations early versus your inspirations now and, and how do those two come together? Yeah. I mean, before, um, if, you know, we're talking about landscape, uh, my inspiration of course was, Hey, these will sell because you know, it is familiar and you don't have to question what it is. And everybody has a connection to these buildings locally. Um, and then, you know, when I was doing the figurative stuff, it was like trying to search. I was trying to figure out who I was like coming out of, you know, um, college and then, you know, going into the professional world of art and, you know, and I was doing, you know, well, and I really enjoyed what I was working on, but, you know, you start self-reflecting yourself within the work and you're like, man, I just, you know, I, I think I didn't like who I was a little bit. And sure. two, I think it was, you know, that just that mystery of, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, is this right? And, and then now, like I said, as we develop colors is getting brighter and it's kind of like, you know, you're just like reawakening and, and, you know, it's, I think it's just, um, the changes that happen in your life and the things that, you know, that, uh, push you and move you through. It's just all that kind of culminating together we, um, you've, into the work now. You've received some really good accolades for that work, that early work mm -hmm. um, from the art community. And have you, have you gotten that same kind of response about your, your landscape art or is it more of the commercial side of things where you're like, Hey, I know this is, this is something that, you know, I'm passionate about, cause I know you're passionate about your city. Uh, but yeah. I also know that there are other people that get this, that understand it. Like you were just saying, um, yeah. have you received accolades in, in some way about your landscape art that you have done? I, I have. Yeah. I was, um, yeah. Yeah. Regionally mainly because it was always regional look, you know, regional landscapes. Um, so on a national level, not so much. Um, you know, I, but I do like there's a gallery, Veronique Gallery in Cincinnati that has represented me now in the past year. And it's they're looking at, you know, river life um, mm. and, and the figurative work. So it's it's kind of cool to see them both um, in the same venue together. Usually it was kind of separate. It wouldn't yeah. be it would either be one or the other. It'd be landscape or figurative. It wouldn't be both. But but she uh, the gallery um, owner was just like, oh, I want it all. Mm. So that was really cool and inspiring. But. With the newer work, I mean, I, I'm kind of at the point now, like I'm, I'm pretty much painting it and then it sells. Like it's not, um, I really haven't had time to enter any showings or anything like that to see what it looks like up against, you know, everyone else. <laughs> but, um, but for me, I think I'm just happy like painting, it sells, and then we're able to, you know, do something fun with the family. And sure. I think just living, you know, making art, teaching, um, and enjoying family is kind of just the happiness right now. That's, that's my happy place, you know? So if art gets me there and I'm able to still do all this that I'm doing now, I'm, I, I think I'm, uh, I'm good with it. Well, I know you won one of the biggest shows, uh, in Madison history uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> and, uh, I, I mean, it was certainly the highlight of my art career, uh, helping, helping you in, and, uh, Petty and Fish put that together. Uh, have you guys done anything since then? Uh, any, any? Are they still going on? Or is Petty and Fish? No, still actually, it's just Petty now. Okay. Yeah, uh, Molly moved on, and um, and she's doing her thing, and um, and Hannah's still rocking the gallery, and they have drawing every Tuesday night. But 
they've had some show showings and stuff, but nothing um, like what we do with the Bob Ross show. That was awesome, dude. That was a lot of fun, um, and you'll have to tell them about that one. Yeah, that was a that was a good time. Well, that was just kind of a an opportunity where I was like, dude, we got we got a chance to do something really cool here, and um, you know, I wanted to be able to share uh, the Bob Ross painting that that I have with with the community, and um, you know, I I think it was Benzer that inspired me to do that because yeah prior to prior to him framing it i was like this thing is just some ugly old lady's painting that you know belongs uh in in a spare bedroom uh but once once he framed it it changed everything about it and you know kind of going back to that you know framing your artwork and how it can can really bring out all the characteristics that that exist oh it, absolutely it so changed that piece of art that um you know it's now got a you know prominent place in our living room and has had where you know prior to that frame being being put on um me and jennifer i wanted it in the living room of course yeah but she was, but she was like yeah, i don't i don't, I don't <laughs> well know. and i think you were telling me where you like uh <laughs> when you when he picked out that frame and said on it you're like ah, i don't know you know and then yeah. as you looked at it, you're like yeah that's that's it that's the one it was so bizarre because you know it was so far away from what i anticipated putting that that painting in and um how to frame it and he was like, oh, I was kind of thinking this. And, you know, my first impression was like, oh, that's no. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. okay. You know, I was being respectful. I was being nice. And and uh, then as more came about and we looked at some others, I just kept going back to it. And, and all I could think about was, man, that's the one. Yeah, that green on it, it just, it sets it off, man. It just, so there's already bizarre. so much green in it, you wouldn't think it would, but it yeah. does. It complements it so well. I almost may, I almost think that um, it being green allowed the other greens to exist because yeah. I have to tell people that the frame is green. Right. Because they think it's black. Because yeah, all the it's... other greens change the color of the frame, where if that everything on that was a light color and you know like brights and everything else they probably like oh that's a green frame but it's really weird how it brought all the colors out especially the greens that guy's amazing yeah i mean that's an art in itself and and i really i was really like man i'm gonna spend you know a few hundred dollars on a on a frame for <laughs> for yeah, a right. painting Right, and right. Then I, thought, I just started thinking about the, you know, the value of the painting. It's kind of ridiculous to think, oh, I would put a $10 frame on this painting. But boy, it changed it. It, it changed it for forever for me. And, and uh, you know, I know my, my mom has seen it, you know, and spiritually seen it, but I would have loved to have seen her response to it um, in person and seeing that painting. Uh, and my dad's, my dad would have probably been like, how much you pay for that? <laughs> yeah, right. We didn't pay that much for the painting. <laughs> but Absolutely. no, it, it's so weird. It, but that guy is so talented, and uh, he was he was so nice and and treated treated me with so much respect in the painting, with so much respect, and um, I'm forever grateful for what he has done. But um, I want to I want to touch base on the um, the work he did for the hotel before we get off here. Yeah. 
And I think that was just, and, and you and I have talked about that a little bit. You know, in my mind, it felt like a real validation of sorts. Uh, if me thinking in your shoes, but I want to hear, you know, how that, how that came about and, and not that you needed the hotel to put your paintings in there to feel validated, Eric. I didn't mean it that right. way. Right. <laughs> no, but it helped. It yeah, really helped. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I got, uh, yeah. You know, you made it when you're hotel art, right? Dude, it's <laughs> more than hotel art. I mean, uh, wow. But no, it, yeah, it was cool. Like, um, I reached out. They, they had left a message for me saying, this is so-and-so and we're working with Marriott hotels and we're looking at, um, the cotton mill and I had already known about, you know, that they were going to be redoing that. And it had been, and you got to realize, you know, this has been going on for like five or six years. Somebody bought it. They were going to turn it into a hotel and then they didn't do anything and they took the, all the windows out. So it just sat there for a couple of years with rain and everything else dumping in. And so at first I was like, Oh yeah, right. Okay. Well, I'll check into it. And so I called the guy and he's like, Oh no, yeah, we purchased the building in Marriott. We're going to do a Fairfield Marriott for our price point for your community um but again if you haven't been to this hotel it is basically just the coolest hotel you'll ever be in it's i mean so awesome. from, at least for marriott because it has got all the cool windows it's got all the old beams and you can see where the workers you know it was a cotton mill um back in its day and you're talking 1880s um, when this thing opened up so and it's right on the river right like, by the bridge facing the river oh. yeah right by the bridge kentucky is right there it's just the coolest set um setting um and what a backdrop said, for so oh, many of yeah. your paintings too. yeah right and so they're like yeah we want to get one of your paintings in there you know a print of your painting in each room so there's like 80 rooms and then they said we want you to do an original for um, behind the front desk and I was like, well, absolutely. And so it was just, um, yeah, it was just incredible. Um, they were awesome to work with, but I ended up doing a four foot by 10 foot um, uh, painting depicting the riverfront in the 1880s with the building behind it. And we have the Trimble. This was before the bridge was there in the 30s. So um, you have river traffic with steamboats and then you have um, boats that were you know, bringing traffic back and forth, which was the Trimble. Um, and it's a pretty famous um, boat here in Madison as well, just historically. And uh, I think everybody knew somebody that knew the boat captain or knew somebody that worked or was involved with that some way or another. Um, so it, it's just really cool. And so, yeah, and I actually uh, I've kind of recorded most of it as I painted it. And then I, Ron Couch, you know, mutual friend, um, put the video together for me and sped it up with some old timey, uh, music so awesome. and it's pretty cool to see it develop. I was a nervous wreck painting the whole thing. I mean, I look really cool and like, it's easy as I go when he sped it up. But when I was painting this thing, I was just so into like, just thinking about it, um, and what I needed to do, like every brush stroke mattered. And I usually don't get that way, but I was super <laughs> nervous, but it, but I got lucky on this one. It, it came out. And then, like I said, they did about 80 uh, prints. I did all King and Queen rooms, except for the suites. They went with the local photographer, Bernie Casper, who's just fantastic. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. It was, it was, it did validate in a way. Cause I know that painting's going to be there. Um, it's something that when people come, it greets them right when they step in the door um, into Madison. So, yeah, it's a it's a cool one. I, I was really happy with that. And uh, 
you know, it'd be one of those, I know at least, you know, I won't be around forever, but my paintings will. So that's what's yeah. really cool about it. Validates you, you know, it just makes you feel like, you know, I'm leaving something behind. Well, I have a print of that in our spare bedroom here. And uh, then we have another painting you did that's of our favorite view of the river out on um, Hanover's campus. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, those are those are definitely two prominent pieces in our home and um, not near as prominent as the Bob Ross experience drawing. Yeah. Um, well, that, yeah, it goes without saying this. It is, <laughs> it is a Thank goodness we had a laminator big enough for <laughs> that or it would have got destroyed in the rain. <laughs> What a day that was. Good. Oh my grief. goodness. Yeah. Can you I mean who yeah. <laughs> but I would we do it again. That any better, could we have? In a heartbeat, I'd do that again. Uh, yeah. so much fun. But buddy, I appreciate you, man. And um man, did I miss anything? No, what you got what you got coming up next? Uh next You got the Celtic uh, show. Whoa, we didn't talk yeah. dude, we didn't talk about the um your most recent um project with the um all the, all the paintings of christ and and his yeah life. the gospel show that oh, i did dude. yeah we uh can we touch on we, that yeah we can touch on it real quick so we uh so well i say we but um just came to me i you know i we had some issues with my youngest daughter callie when she was born she's five now um but she was born not breathing um and her umbilical cord had been closed off for um a while she came out uh, just purple, almost blue and not breathing. And, uh, so I, she's like, put the umbilical cord, the doctor did. So I clipped it real quick. She, they took her over and I mean, they worked on her for at least, I mean, it felt like at 20 minutes, but it was probably more like two minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just like, what kind of, if she does get resuscitated, what kind of quality of life we're looking at without oxygen or anything while she was in the womb. And now another, you know, two minutes outside of that womb and then two doctors trying to resuscitate this little baby. And I just broke down. I mean, my knees buckled and I was just, I'd prayed like I'd never prayed before. Um, you know, I, I had had a, you know, I was baptized when I was 10, but you know, you, you stray away and, and you don't, um, you know, do like you should all the time. And I wasn't listening to God like I should have been. And, um, but I mean, I had a wake up moment then and I started praying and I said, if you could just um, help her be here, just, I kept calling her name and I said, just uh, let her be okay. Just let us have her. We need her, you know? And um, as soon as I said that, I just hear this cry uh. and she did not nothing. Um, there's nothing wrong with her. She does have um, scoliosis that we're dealing with. But I mean, functionally, she's about as smart as any kid I've ever met. And she's just beautiful and just fun loving, happiest kid um, all the time. It's just amazing. So that being said, I started thinking in my head, like, what am I going to do to pay back, you know, for yeah. all the all the positives in my life, the art, the family that I have, all these things. What can I do? Um, and I started thinking about doing this show. And I thought, um, you know, it'd be really cool to do something during the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and do the paintings off of those. And so I um, kept playing around for a couple of years, like, oh, I don't have time for this. I don't do this. How am I ever going to do this? And back and forth. Well, last summer, day after school got out, June 1st, it just hit me. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. So I pulled out two huge canvases and painted a 10-foot by a 4-foot painting of Christ oh um, being crucified. Yep. 
next and painted it. I mean, it wasn't maybe four hours of painting. Oh, wow. And then next day I got up and I painted uh, Elijah. Um, and then the next day I painted Moses. And I had those, um, just like the transfiguration, you know, I was using that, but putting at the base of the crucifixion. And I was like, okay, there's my centerpiece. And I'm, you know, three days I had the main parts of the show done. But then I spent the next, you know, six months painting the rest of it. And uh, I pulled in um, local um, charities, um, one specifically like CASA, who deal with children in our community. Mm -hmm. And I called them and said, hey, just help me kind of sponsor, represent this a little bit. They didn't have to do any funding, but they just had to get the word out. So um, I rented a old African-American church um, through Janie Mahoney, who's a photography studio. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool that it was used for that again um, with the gospel show. And uh, so I had, you know, the crucifixion right when you walked in in the front part of the church. And then Elijah and Moses on each side. And then uh, the rest of the 30 paintings were on easels around the church with candles. And I had um, just uh, religious music from, you know, chanting and, you know, Jewish chant. And I had um, some old gospel, African-American gospel. And it was just, it was a great experience. People, I had over a thousand people come through in two days. We had it open wow. for four hours each evening. And they would come through and I had live performances by different musicians as well. And uh, it was incredible. Every person that walked in there, you know, they were tears in their eyes would come through. And I was standing up at front off to the side and, um, and kind of like a funeral almost, you know, and they're yeah. coming through and just telling me their experiences. And you wouldn't believe some of the stories and experiences that people told me about. Um, it was incredible. It really was. I don't you know, you know, God was there because you could feel it. I mean, every hair on your whole body stood up and then, um, but it was just, we woke some stuff up in there too. I think it was just a, That's awesome. it was an awesome experience. It really was. I've never, you know, we were combining music and sound and I had, um, you know, incense burning. So you had this, um, the smell in there as well. And just, you know, the candles lit, it was just a cool, um, just, experience and uh i was thankful to be able to do it and uh you know that was just my little part and appreciation for you know what god's done in my life so um but yeah it's been incredible and um yeah i had photos i had jamie shoot everything so it was all documented and all the pieces sold except for i think seven wow. of them um so i i wrote some you know 50 percent of the sales would, um, went to uh, charity. They got to choose which one it went to. And so I got to write a check to, I think that we had six different ones and it helped out some families. There was a lot of people in need and a couple of them I reached out to. Um, one in particular was a gentleman who helps um, children in the community who are runaways or families that get displaced because can't afford or fire or whatever, and then also helps veterans they had a family. This is right before Christmas too. When I was writing these checks that oh, um, they got displaced and uh, had nowhere to go. And the check that I wrote him was enough to uh, give them a Christmas, put them up for a couple months in apartment as well. So they could be together. And man, it was just like, you know, God's working right now. <laughs> he's doing his thing. And, you know, if he's going to use me for a vessel, that's fine. And uh, that's what I'm here for now. So, um, that was amazing. And uh, the gospel show, just being that, 
what it was. The other seven paintings, I held on to a couple. A uh, lady actually donated a couple back to me to be on permanent display always. Huh. Um, so I'm working with the um, History Center, hoping that they'll take that into their collection and keep those and maintain those. And then um, I donated some to some churches too. Just gave them, told them to enjoy them. And uh, it's it's just been great, man. And what a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. It, so it's been it's been good. In my mind, all I could think was, man, what a road show. You could do revivals. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. And I cool thought about it. I was I know with teaching it makes it really difficult. Yeah. So I mean I, mean, I you, can you know go everywhere with that. Oh, I know. Yeah, absolutely. And it and that's another thing. That's that's another calling. I I feel it, you know. I can feel him talking to me and, you know, just put me in the right places. But right as for this moment, I know that, you know, my work is at, through the school system and, you know, helping these kids see the value in, in what they do and in their lives for right now. So well, who knows for the future, though? I, I know you inspire them. You certainly inspire me. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm better off for knowing <laughs> you. And, and uh, hey, that's mutual. man. I, I'm Absolutely. So blessed my time to that I had in Madison and made some incredible connections down there. And, um, I love all you guys and, and can't wait to get back. So, um, anytime, Boy, anytime. anytime we talk about weekenders or, you know, going away for somewhere for a week, uh, Madison's always on my mind and, and someplace I, I definitely want to come back to as often as possible. So, um, Dude, I can't wait to see you again. And dang hey, it, same. brother. Gosh, we got to get this Google Meet thing because as fun as this was, it's not good enough. Yeah, <laughs> hey, they're trying to keep us apart. We're not going to let them. You can't. You can't um, keep a good man down, brother. That's it. That's it. And we're still looking for a camper shell for that Ford, too. So Dude, I know you sent me a couple, but I see that. We need like a late 70s. If anybody's listening, we need a late 70s camper shell to go on a 74 Ford. Do you just want the shell or do you want a camper? I, I think I want, I don't know. I think the camper would be cool though. I mean, you can't go wrong with the camper, but if, if the shell is cool enough, then, you know, we'll just rock the shell. Yeah, it's got to be the big square. Yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. It doesn't it's look go like above, it fits. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. looks obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. It just looks like it might tip over a little bit. It's got the lights and the wood panel side, you know, it just, there is I can a, see uh, it. There is a Ford camper special that's not far from where I live. I've driven by it probably a hundred times and I have not stopped to look at it. You know why? Was that? Because I'm afraid I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer's probably glad I haven't stopped. To look yeah. At it. She's probably, don't I you thought, dare. Man, how much fun would that be to just park that thing next to yours and you not oh, know yeah. whose it is. And then you, yeah. you know, come walking, walking around and you're like, man, who's, who's got this camper special sitting yeah. right oh, next to heck? mine, man. I just kept Perfect. walking up with a, with a hot dog. Hey buddy, what's yeah. going on, man? Like, is this your truck? Yeah. Yeah. Is that yours? Yeah. You know, that's mine. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's what would happen. Oh yeah. And just sit on the tailgate the rest of the night. That's just, it. That's it. Just hanging out and. Just not uh, caring. <laughs> That's right. Karen, we're just hanging out with our camper specials. Yep. Yep. Brother, I can't wait to see you again. And um, Same buddy. tell the wife and kids I said hi. And, and I, I will wish the best for them. And, and man, I hope the rest of your school year is just fantastic. Keep, keep uh, blessing those kids. Keep blessing that community. And uh, let me know when this, this uh, Celtic show is. I'd love to check that out. 
I will. I will definitely reach out to you. We're I'm supposed to meet on the twelfth with them, and then uh, we'll have the show in May. So it. how can people how can people see what you do? Well, right now I'm getting a, a new website developed, and uh, so it should be out in May for uh, it'll depending on what's available. Fagan Art or EricFaganArt.com, and then um, I have Eric Fagan on Facebook. I'm sorry, Eric Fagan Art on Facebook. Um, I post student stuff and my art and just a little bit of everything. So that's probably the best way right now. I'm a little old school. I just technology wise. I mean, I do what I can. But, I love it. Um, you know, I love it. Well, guys, make sure you follow him on Facebook. That's, uh, that's how I get to stay, you know, kind of abreast of what's going on with, with him and what he's doing with students and, um, definitely an inspiration. You know, here's something else. And can, I'm sorry, man. There's just so much to catch up on. Right. We didn't even talk about this whole top 10 teacher thing. Oh yeah. The teacher of the year stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was crazy. Um, so I got, you know, I, I got teacher of the year for our school system. Right. And then from there, um, they, you can apply and get, um, for the teacher of the year for the state of Indiana. And they kept, they're like, Oh, you should do it. You should do it. And this is the admin tell me you should do this. I think you'll get it. I think you'll get it. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll try. So I put it in thinking nothing about it. And then I get a response. Hey, you made top 25. And I'm like, Oh, okay, that's crazy. And, um, so I'm just whatever, keep teaching, don't think anything of it. And then I get another contact. Hey, you made top 10. What in the world is going on? So I got top 10, the principal, um, gets a hold of me and says, uh, you know, Hey, congratulations. That's awesome. And everything else. We have this bluebell ice cream show up to the junior high and throw an ice cream party for like the whole school. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. They call me out there and everything and everybody's like, ah, you know, this is awesome. And so I'm going to try to be top, um, you know, number one. And so they, I go to Indianapolis and uh, they're like, yeah, you just have to give a little speech and talk to these people. And you're like, you know, I just talked to junior high kids all day, right? This is not like, I'm not going to be very impressive. I'll tell you right now. And uh, so anyway, I, I write a little speech here and um, I go in and they didn't tell me it's going to be 25 people in there. So I walk into this room in Indianapolis and there is 25 people sitting around the room just looking at me when I walk in. And, you know, mind you, I don't wear a suit. So I went and bought a suit because she said, you have to have, superintendent says you have to have a suit, then you better go get a suit. So I'm like, where do I get a suit? And I'm like, I'll probably wear this you know, twice. I'll wear it for this and when I'm dead. Probably it'd be the only two times I'll wear this suit. So I go, uh, I'm like, where do you go for a great suit? I go to Burlington Coat Factory, that's right? It. So okay. I go in Burlington Coat Factory and I find one that fits. It's blue. I'm like, hey, that's my color. So I wear that. I'm feeling okay. A little uncomfortable, but okay. I go in and uh, and I'm able to talk to him just like you. So it was a great experience. Great. And um yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I did not make uh, number one. Um, I think a math teacher beat me out, of course. Imagine that. But I know math. Hey, God bless them, though. I know, right? <laughs> but um, so anyway, um, yeah, I didn't make the top three and then go on to number one. But hey, top ten in the state Buddy. as an art teacher that didn't even, you know, <laughs> he went to art school and uh, was just trying to live his best life. That was pretty awesome. So. I'll- I want everybody to kind of understand how big that is. I mean, that's huge. Number one, um, you know, there's close to 500 school districts in the state of Indiana. And 
to be able to, number one, become the teacher of the year out of your school district. Um, that's huge. That's a, that's a big honor. It's a big prize. Uh, and it's, it's coveted. I mean, it's not that teachers are, are out there looking to be, Oh, I can't wait to be teacher of the year. Nobody is saying, well, maybe there's a couple of people out there saying that. I, I don't right. want to say every, no one, but, um, most of us, man, we're just, we're doing our thing. We're trying right. to serve. We're just serving. And, and so with that being said, to, to be at that level of, of serving your, your students, your community, your school, uh, to be honored with the district, uh, teacher of the year, congrats, brother. And then hey, thanks, man. to be able to, you know, to go and represent, uh, your community in that way and, and reach that 25 level. That's wow. I mean, then to end up in a, you know, what a five percenter, I'm not, I'm not a math guy, but I'm just guessing top 10 is somewhere in that maybe 1% close to it. Yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, it's got to be close to to there. I, I'm I'm not going to do the math. I'm not going to pretend. I say to, I'm not a math guy. <laughs> but that's a huge honor, yeah. and, and congrats to you on that. And it's well deserved. I know. I know the amount of effort, energy, love, and um, just everything you put into it. It is it is difficult and out of a junior high. Yeah, I mean that's just a testament to your commitment to your craft and. Um, I know I sure appreciate it. And I'm, I'm proud to have been able to work with you and, and learn from you. And, and it's those types of things that, you know, keep working at it, keep, keep pushing along. And, um, you're, you're the teacher of the year, every, every hour. You, well, you I are. I mean, there's a kid in that classroom that you are the teacher of the year to them every hour of, of every day. There's someone that needs you in, in there and they're never going to tell you. You're going to see them, and I'm sure you have them, those kids that, that you see out and about that that come up to you and say, man, Mr. Fagan, I'm, I'm so glad, you know, I was there, blah, 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 and you were there for me, and um, you made a difference in my life, and I'm sure you get that all the time. It's Yeah, it's just, it definitely makes you feel good, and it, it makes it worth it. That's what keeps you going back for yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Keep plugging along, brother. Man. Thanks, man. Thank you, and and, and I love you, man, and, and can't wait to see you love all you again. Too, and um, just keep doing what you do. I'll see you soon, I'm sure. All right, man. All right, buddy. Hey, everybody. Thanks, buddy. We're out. Have a good one. See ya. Bye.